Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter, and what a glorious day we have to celebrate Christ risen from the grave. So we just thank you for joining us today. We thank everybody here in our sanctuary. We thank all those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. So you can't know how much we appreciate having you with us this morning to worship Christ. As we start our service, before we start our service, I have several announcements. The flowers on the altar behind me are in honor of are in honor of Jean and Pat Shrelicky, who are celebrating 59 years of marriage today. So happy anniversary to Jean and Pat. Also, as a little reminder, there will be no children's Sunday school today, nor will there be youth Bible study tonight. Both of those will resume next Sunday. The church office will be closed tomorrow. If you are in need of pastoral care during that time, please contact the church office and leave a message for Pastor Joel. That concludes my announcements this morning. And now to officially start our service, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship this morning. This morning it is taken from Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Please remain standing as we sing our opening songs this morning. We have a song from the Blue Hymnal, number 217. Christ the Lord is risen today. We'll also sing out of the blue hymnal, hymn number 234. Crown him with many crowns. And then we'll end it with praise songs, be my rock. My hope is built on nothing less.
risen indeed. Before we do crown him with many crowns, I just want to remind the children's praise choir, three verses, three and verses four, come on down so you guys can teach the congregation Be My Rock, okay? Parents, if you could remind them, verse three and four, just have them come on down. children are going to teach you the new song, Be My Rock. Then we're going to go into the solid rock. Hey kids, who's our rock? <coughs> Absolutely. All right. You ready? Be my rock. Be my refuge. Be my rock. Head 
Kids, you can sit right down there for children's chat after Jack has our prayer. In just one second, we're going to be going to our Creator in prayer. So I would hope everybody would take a moment and declutter your mind, get all the distractions out of your mind as we enter His presence. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we, we truly humble ourselves, Father, when we enter your presence. You mean so much to us, Father. You never fail. You always guide us and lead us, Father. We thank you so much for that. Father God, just in the last several days, we have experienced unbelievable we can meet in this sanctuary and experience the ultimate high father you, you you allow this to happen father and i know when your son went to the cross father i know what he did for us on that cross he took all the sins of the world and took it with him on that cross and when he was crucified that blood that he shed covered all the world's sins Everybody's sins is forgiven if you make the decision to follow him. Your sins will be forgiven in the past, and they will be forgiven in the future if you continue to follow him in all your faith. Father, you will remove our sins as far as they are from the east from the west, and we're just so thankful for that, Lord. And, Father, when that moment your son died... That curtain was torn from top to bottom. And Lord, that's the only way we can come here this morning, like this morning, and and come face to face with you and share with you our concerns and our praises. That's the only way this could happen, Father, that we can come before you because that curtain was torn by your son's death on the cross. And we're so thankful for that, Father. What a gift that is to us. For anybody who believes, that is a gift. We cannot achieve any of that by any works of our own, Father. It's truly a gift from you. And we're so thankful for that. And, Father, when we accept you, you have called us to to go out and spread the word. And the word we're supposed to spread is just what happened. This This is the story of salvation, of what just happened now. And when we go out... We have to impress upon those people that 
while all of us are still on the face of this earth and, and drawing a breath, we have a choice to make. You can either choose to follow Jesus Christ and his teachings, or you cannot. That choice is yours. But, Father, I pray when they are approached with that choice that they choose wisely. The choice they make determines where they spend eternity. And, Father, it's such a special message. And I pray that we just put it on our hearts, Father, to share that with everybody we come in contact with. And, Lord Jesus, we're thankful for this morning that we can gather here and worship and praise you. It just means so much to us, Lord. We're so thankful and we're, we're just in awe of you, Father, your, your power and your glory and your, your mercy and your faithfulness. Even when we're faithless, you're still faithful, Father. You cannot change. It's who you are. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. And, Father, we have concerns list here in our church and in our community, Father. And obviously we have our own desires of what should be happening. But, Lord, we just lift up those people to you and place them in your hands. That you could give them healing where healing is needed and comfort and peace. Father, we're just so thankful for you. We're thankful that you have come into our lives, Father. And, Father, we're so thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Can you hold that for me, please? Thank you. Okay, where's Tucker? And Kofi? And Luke? All right. So I have some, some helpers helping me today. And I don't know where to stand so everybody can see, but we'll do our best. All right, so what do we have here? A palm branch, yes. All right, we have a palm branch. We're going to give this to Luke, and in just a second, you're going to read, okay, bud? All right, so what does the palm branch remind us of? Palm Sunday, yes. Palm Sunday, it reminds us how Jerusalem honored God's Son. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Okay, Luke. Blessed. Is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mark 11, 9. Good job. All right. Now, watch what happens. I open up my egg, and what's inside? Another egg. Look at that. Can anybody tell what's on this egg? A house. A temple. What's a temple? Where are you praying to God? Okay. And so this egg reminds us of God's house of prayer, remembering the amazing miracles and teachings that Jesus shared there. Okay, Luke, can you hand the mic to Bryce? It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a, a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Matthew 21, 13. 
All right, so let's open up this egg. Can you hold that for me? What's on that egg? Is there a heart on this egg? Yeah, there's a heart on this egg. What does that remind you of? Love. Who loves you so much? Jesus, right. Okay, Jesus loves us and we need to remember we are loved and cherished by our Father up above. Okay, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 1 John 4, 4 verse 10, I mean 7. All right, thank you. All right, so what is on this egg? A perfume bottle, yes. Why is that important? Do you remember? Yes, because Mary Magdalene was showing the act of giving by pouring that perfume on Jesus' feet as a way to honor him. Okay. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that for whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16. Great job, Tucker. All right. So, what's on this egg? The Last Supper. Yes. The Last Supper that Jesus had with his friends before he died on the cross. And he broke bread and passed the wine. You're right. Okay. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Good job. Okay. What's on this egg? What's happening to our eggs? <laughs> They're getting smaller, aren't they? Yeah, they're getting smaller. And there's a cross on this egg, okay? And the cross is also a symbol of love. It represents everlasting life, a gift from our Father above. Okay. Jaden. Oh, she's all the way over here. When he received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. John 19.30 Okay. And you just go to your brother. Okay. What do we have here? A rock? A tomb? The rock they rolled in front of the tomb? You're all right. You're all right, okay? This little egg looks like the stone that was rolled in front of the tomb. With the Lord Jesus as your friend, yet we will never be alone, okay? The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world, John 1.19. All right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just put lotion on my hands. <laughs> and I can't get it open. Uh, Herschel, give it a try. <laughs> try Hudson. Okay. So, what do we think is in there? Nothing. Nothing. 
You think there's nothing inside the tomb? The tomb is empty. You guys are right. You know what? The tomb is empty. All right. And it reminds us that even though the tomb was found bare and Jesus' body was gone, where is Jesus found? He's found everywhere. Right? Is Jesus found everywhere? He is found everywhere. All right. So if I were to open up this little egg, there's nothing in it. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. You are right. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, Regan. Praise be to the Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this great mercy, he has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3. Thank you. All right. So girls and boys, today we celebrate Easter, and you did a great job helping me share that story. Okay, so after we say our prayer, if you go over here to the basket... We will, I have a little treat for you, but before you eat what's in the treat, you need to read the package. Okay? All right. All right. So let's bow our heads quick. Are we ready? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. Today we remember his love for us and know that he is with us wherever we go and in all the things you created. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Amen. You kids can head, grab your treat from Mrs. Maria and head back to your seats. Of course, it was my son that had her candy and had to go over there real quick before anybody else got there. As the kids are heading back to their seats, I also want to invite the choir forward at this time. Our offering this morning is going to support the ministry of our daily bread soup kitchen up in Lima, Ohio. And so as the deacons collect the offering this morning, I encourage you to give as you feel led to give today. I also want to take this opportunity to just say thank you to the youth, uh, Pastor Tori and the youth for the sunrise service this morning. They did an excellent job. I know many of you were there to be a part of that as well. Um, just what a blessing it was to be led in worship by the youth. And what a great opportunity to be led in worship by the children this morning as well. Um, God's word says from the, the mouth of youth and infants, he will call forth his praise. And we got to witness that already again this morning. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, and again, I just want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect our offering for our daily bread soup kitchen.
remain standing for the scripture reading this morning. The scripture reading is from Luke 7, verses 11 through 17. Afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin, and the pallbearer stopped. And he said, Young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together again. Father God, we come before this morning in great joy and hope. Uh, celebrate. We thank you, Lord God, for his death and his resurrection and all that it means for us. And now that we've had a chance to, to sing about it and, and reflect on it, uh, we just want to take time to study your words some more this morning for what your resurrection means for us, because it truly is the most important event in all of human history. We thank you for your word. May it be a light for our feet and a lamp, a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. May your Holy Spirit open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're just so glad that we get to worship our risen Savior here this morning. Uh, For those of you, many of you have been a part of our Holy Week services all week long, and we've journeyed with Jesus each step of the way together. We began on Palm Sunday celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We gathered on Maundy Thursday to remember the Last Supper Jesus shared with his disciples. He was betrayed by one of them that very night. And on Good Friday, we spent time focusing on the cross. We meditated on the cruelty of what Jesus experienced. And we remembered that he endured suffering, shame, and yes, even death for our sake and our salvation. And today we gather to celebrate the most important event in all of human history. We gather to proclaim that Jesus is alive, that the tomb is empty, that he is risen. Like the previous events of Holy Week, Jesus' resurrection is foreshadowed throughout his ministry. On several occasions, Jesus demonstrated his authority over the grave by raising people from the dead. And Luke 7 is one such example. We're going to start there this morning to help us understand the power and authority of our resurrected King. But to truly understand just how important that is for us, we must also understand the sting of death. See, death is a separation from the people that we love and that we care about. Take this widow, for example, in this story. She's described as a widow, and this child who had died is her only son. And so, and so she is left with no one to care for her. She's in a desperate situation. She's left all alone. And it's in this moment that Jesus sees her. In the, moment, in the, in the middle of the funeral procession, he sees her desperation He sees her pain and her grief, and he has compassion for her and helps her. See, we've all experienced the loss of a loved one, haven't we? In one way or another, we all know the sting of death is real. 
It's, it's a unique and it's a personal kind of pain and grief. And, it, and, and it's most, even in its most, even in the best case scenario, it is a difficult situation to walk through. It's a problem that we all know is there, isn't it? Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, whether we want to whether we want to admit that it's there, death is always kind of hanging over our heads. It's a reality that we all must deal with one way or another. We do everything we can to avoid it and ignore it, don't we? But it's an ever-present reality, one we have to figure out how to handle and how to deal with whether we want to or not. And so the sting of death is very real, and it's very painful, and it's very powerful, and it's something that every person experiences. And so we must remember that death is not, excuse me, death is an enemy that must be conquered. You see, death was not part of God's original plan for his creation. It was not, it is not the way that things were meant to be. Death stings because it's not supposed to be this way. Scripture teaches us that death is the consequence for sin. It is part of the curse And it is what we earn because of our rebellion against God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, when I say that death is the consequence of sin, I'm not talking about each and every one of our specific sins, although that is true. I'm talking about the result of sin in this world. Sin has broken the way that this world was meant to operate. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God said not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for they will certainly, once they eat of it, they will certainly die. Now, when they ate of it, they didn't die immediately. They didn't drop dead right there on the spot. But it was through that act of rebellion. It was through their sin that death entered the world. And by their sin, it it affects all of us because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 reminds us of that very reality. Just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, it affects every single one of us. And so death is an enemy that's meant to be conquered, not a friend that is to be embraced. You know, sometimes when we try to make sense of death, we talk about it as, as just the inevitable, right? Something that just needs to be embraced and dealt with. But Scripture teaches us that it is not a friend, but an enemy, in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, it says, speaking of Jesus and the resurrection, he says that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So what scripture calls an enemy, we shouldn't call a friend, right? We should acknowledge it for what it is, an enemy that is meant to be conquered. I believe that's why Jesus was so moved by the people who were affected by the sting of death. His heart goes out to this widow As he stood at the side of Lazarus' tomb, it says that he wept for his friend. Jesus knows that this is never, that was never the way that this world was supposed to operate. And it doesn't have to be that way. See, Jesus knew that he was about to bring the widow's son back to life. He knew that he was about to call Lazarus forth from that tomb. Yet he still wept because he knew that the sting of death was very real. He knew that death was an enemy that needed to be conquered. And Jesus is the one who's able to conquer it on our behalf because he is the one who has authority over life and death. 
See, death itself is no match for Jesus. With one simple command, right, with one simple sentence, he commands the boy to come back to life, and that's exactly what he does. Jesus tells him simply, young man, I tell you, get up. And with that one command, he demonstrates his authority over death because at that one command, the boy responds as if it were the most simple thing in the world. As if it was the most normal thing to do. He simply sits up and starts talking and he's given back to his mother. Those of you with children know how difficult it is to get your kid out of bed in the morning, right? Josephine and has had some uh, mornings where I've had to go into her room multiple times to get her up for school. There was one morning in particular, I can remember, I, I went in and, and by the time we're rushing out the door, we were kind of scrambling. And she says, why didn't you wake me up earlier? I said, Josephine, I did three times. I had to go back in and wake her up. Now, if you ask my parents, she probably comes by that naturally. Um, but, but just think of how simple that command was, right? Jesus, just like any parent going into a bedroom telling their kid to wake up. That's what Jesus did for this boy. But he wasn't just sleeping, he was dead. He was in the, it was in the middle of his funeral. And Jesus said, young man, I tell you, get up. And that's exactly what he did. There's another story in the Gospels of Jesus and his disciples out on a boat in the middle of the storm. Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat and the disciples are terrified. They think they're going to capsize and all is lost. And so they wake Jesus up and, and ask him to, to help. And so it says in Mark 4, verse 39, that he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and he simply said, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and, he was, and it was completely calm. Still. And the disciples were in awe because the storm obeyed his command. How much more so here? Right? This wasn't just a, a storm in the middle of the lake. This was death itself. Death itself was reversed. And it loses its sting because of one simple command from Jesus. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus raises three people from the dead. There's this story of the widow's son. He also raises Jairus' daughter back to life. And of course, probably the most famous example is Lazarus being raised from the tomb. These three were brought back to a normal life. They lived for a time, but all three of them, although the Gospels don't say it, it's implied that all three of them live for a time and then die again because they were raised. This miracle was only a temporary solution to their problem. But when it comes to death, Jesus is not interested in temporary solutions. He doesn't want to settle for that. He's looking for something much more permanent. And so to conquer death completely, Jesus needed to go into death and defeat it once and for all. And that's exactly what he did. That's what we remember during Holy Week with Good Friday and his death on the cross. And on Easter Sunday with the resurrection from the tomb, Jesus went into death and conquered it for us. He is our resurrected king. You see, Jesus willingly endured the cross in order to conquer death. I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 for you. And I encourage you to mark this down, 2 Timothy 1, 9 through 10. It says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, and it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, 
who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Think of that last phrase there, right? He destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. That's the good news we celebrate. That's the hope we have in Christ. Jesus destroyed death through his death and his resurrection. If you recall, I said that death is a part, it's a result of sin. But the thing is that Jesus never sinned, right? He was perfect. He was the one person who didn't deserve to suffer and die like that. He was the one person who could say they were perfectly obedient to the Father at all times. And so he was the one person who did not deserve to die. And yet he willingly endured it for us. Jesus died on the cross, and when he did so, he took your place and he took my place. He died the death that we deserve. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, Scripture says our sin was nailed there to, with, with him. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled a charge of legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Our, in, our legal indebtedness, our sin, the debt that we can never pay back on our own, Colossians 2 says, was nailed to the cross on our behalf. The price has been paid, but not by us, by Jesus. In the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, the third verse reads like this. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. So Jesus died in our place, but the truth is that death could not hold him. It had no authority over him. In fact, that's exactly what Peter says on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. He says, God raised him, speaking of Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Just as he called the widow's son to rise, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And this is no ordinary miracle. This was something even greater. Jesus was resurrected into eternal life, the first fruits of the new creation. The woman on that first Easter morning, when they discovered the tomb, they were expecting to finish preparing his body for burial. They were completely surprised, completely surprised to find the stone rolled away, the tomb empty, and an angel telling them what had happened. It was the most incredible news in the world. Jesus has risen. Jesus is the victorious resurrected king. As he hung on the cross, he exclaimed, it is finished. Right? He knew. He knew the ultimate victory was at hand. He accomplished his mission and he was going into death. He was going into the grave and he knew he was going to come out again victorious. The power of sin and death was broken. Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty, and that changes everything. See, if Jesus conquered death, if he resurrected from the grave, 
then he has opened eternal life to all who believe in him as Savior and Lord. See, the entire foundation of our faith is built on a cross and an empty tomb. Paul tells the Corinthian church that our faith is useless if there is no resurrection. But Jesus died and rose again, and as the conquering, excuse me, Jesus died and rose again, and he has conquered death on our behalf. He is our resurrected king, and through him, God grants eternal life to all who believe in him. See, one day, everyone who believes in Jesus as Savior and Lord will hear his voice. One day, Jesus is going to stand beside your grave, and he's going to call out, young man, young woman, I tell you, get up. And you're going to rise up from the grave. You're going to enter into eternal life, not because you've earned it, not because you've deserved it from your good behavior, but because Christ is your resurrected king. And all you need to do to experience that for yourself is put your trust in him as Savior and Lord. Believe that he died for you and trust in him as your Savior. And you can experience that as well. We will be resurrected with bodies like his. We'll be free from sin and the effects of sin. Revelation 21 says there will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He will reach down into the grave, into death itself, and pull you up to eternal life. But it's not something we have to wait for. Eternal life begins here, and it begins now. It begins the moment that you put your trust in Him as Savior and Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. Notice it's, it's already happened, right? The new creation is here and now. The old is gone and the new has come. See, the Holy Spirit is living and working in you to make you more like Jesus. Romans 8.11 says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. And Romans 8.29 also reminds us, later on in that same chapter, he says, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Also lives in those who put trust in him as Savior and Lord. And that spirit, that same spirit is helping you to become more like Jesus here and now. And so briefly, I want to share what some of those benefits are. Some of you may want to know what that resurrection life looks like. And here's some things that you can experience when you put your trust in Christ as Savior. You can experience unconditional love. So many people in our world today long to be loved unconditionally. They look for that through all sorts of human relationships. And as good as those relationships can be, they will never fully satisfy because no human being can love unconditionally. but only the perfect, infinite God can love you perfectly and unconditionally. Eternal life in Jesus means hope. That means there is more to life than we can see and sense and touch, that there is life beyond death, and that one day every wrong will be made right. Hope gives life meaning. Without the resurrection, life is pointless. We live, we die, we're forgotten. 
But if there is a resurrection, in which there is, then life does not just end. There is meaning. There is purpose. There is hope. Resurrection life means peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is the, if the source of your peace is the absence of conflict, you're going to have a roller coaster experience through life. But the peace of God transcends understanding. It's complete confidence in God's presence and promises, no matter what circumstances you face. When Jesus first appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, three times he says, peace, peace, my peace I give you. We find peace in the resurrected king. We find joy, eternal, unshakable joy. Like peace, our joy is grounded in the presence and the promises of God. Christian joy is found in a relationship with the Lord, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. In Christ, you can have confidence and assurance of your salvation. Anxiety, feelings of inadequacy, fear, that you'll never measure up to people's expectations. Those feelings plague people day in and day out. They're common problems that a lot of people struggle with. But eternal life and the promise of the resurrection assures us that salvation is secure. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on your ability to maintain a passing grade. And it's not based because it is based completely on the death and resurrection of Christ. He is your resurrected king. And if you did nothing to earn your salvation, you can do nothing to lose it. You are safe and secure in the hands of your Savior. See, the world, you can't find these things out in the world. You may get glimpses of them. You may experience some counterfeit version, but you cannot experience the real thing apart from a resurrected Savior. And so I want to invite you to experience that today for yourself. I want you to know that you can experience resurrection life here and now because Jesus is alive. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray in order to prepare ourselves for communion. And when I pray, I'm going to invite you to pray with me to acknowledge your need for the Lord. Maybe this is something you've never done before. And I invite you to participate with me. Just in the silence of your heart, pray these things. Or maybe you've been down this road before, but but you veered off the path for a while. This is your opportunity to come back and experience the grace and forgiveness of your Savior. So I invite you to pray with me now. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have the opportunity to come to you. And we are able to do that because you died and you rose again for our sake and for our salvation. And so for for. I want to invite those that have never trusted in Christ to pray this with me now. Lord God, I am sorry. I'm sorry for the things that I've done and the things I've left undone. I'm sorry for my sin. I know, Lord, that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And so I humbly come before you and simply say, I'm sorry. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for me, that you conquered death, that you are the resurrected King. Thank you, Lord God, that even though I can't save myself, you have done everything necessary for my salvation. And I humbly accept your forgiveness through faith. And help me, Lord, now to live for you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide my life, that you would help me to follow Jesus, not only as my Savior, but also as my Lord.
I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're about to have an opportunity to share communion together. And for those of you who are uh, normally here for our services, you know how this is going to work. In just a moment, I'm going to I'm going to pray once again, and we're going to invite you forward to take communion. The praise team is going to lead us in worship during this time, and, uh, and we're going to have an opportunity to take the elements together. And so in just a moment, I'll invite you forward, and you can come down the side aisles. There's going to be um, uh, people on both sides of the altar here, and if you are unable to come forward for any reason, we'll have a couple elders that will be serving you in the pews. But this is an opportunity, whether you just gave your life to Christ for the first time or whether you have been walking with Jesus for your entire life, this is an opportunity for you to come to the table and to experience anew the grace and the forgiveness of your Savior. And so let's pray together again as we set our hearts and minds on the Lord's Supper. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to come to the table. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a risen, resurrected Savior and that you have accomplished our salvation for us. We acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and you are that Savior that we need. And we know that your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so, Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And as we take these elements to our comfort, we ask that you would help us to experience anew the newness of resurrected eternal life. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having broke it, he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, we invite you to take this sacrament to your comfort. Again, we encourage you to come forward, take the elements back to your seat, and if you're able to hold on to those, we'll take them together after everyone's been served. Joy from the ashes anew. 
This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken for you and for me. Feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And this is his blood, which was shed for you, a new covenant that was made in his blood. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's continue to worship our risen Savior as we close out our service.
blood of the Lamb. 